You're listening to the Namely Marley Podcast, Episode 16. and welcome to the Namely Marley podcast. I'm Marley. This podcast is dedicated to living a creative, healthy, and passion-filled life. My goal is for you to say Namely Marley is for Namely me. Today I'm sharing my interview with author, time management expert, and organizational guru, Julie Morgenstern. Julie's resume reads like a who's who of business consulting. She's worked with companies like Microsoft, FedEx, Sony Music, and many others. You may have seen her on the Oprah Winfrey Show or the Rachel Ray Show or even Good Morning America. Or maybe you've seen her quoted in the USA Today, uh, Martha Stewart Living or the New York Times. Julie is all that and more. And as you can imagine, I'm really excited to have her on uh, the show today. But before we dive into the interview with Julie, let's talk about tips and tricks. I've recently been rereading the book, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People by Stephen Covey. Uh, What is the deal with guys named Stephen? I mean, there's Stephen Covey, Stephen Pressfield, Stephen Colbert. It's like a world invasion of inspirational Stevens or something. I don't know. Anyway, I'm really enjoying the Seven Habits book again, um, because I'll be honest, I've been in a little bit of a, a funk lately. I don't know what if it's the case that you go through this as well, I don't know. But it's like, uh, I think I call it the holiday funk. I don't even know what sets it off, but I think it has something to do with the pressure of all this gift buying. You got to buy the perfect gift, put up the perfect decorations and bake perfect cookies. And I don't know. I don't I don't know that I always feel that perfect. <laughs> and sometimes all that need to be perfect can just get a person down. But I really, that's why I think I've been uh, reading Covey again. And he kind of reminds me that even though we don't have control over all these external things that are going on, we do have control of our reaction to it. And so I I really like, I needed that reminder, I think. So Stephen, in fact, tells the story of his young daughter who didn't want to share presents at her birthday party. And uh, it was kind of an embarrassing thing for him. And so after the, uh, Afterwards, he realized that maybe the reason she didn't want to share the presents is because she hadn't actually fully possessed them yet. I know that sounds kind of interesting, but think about it. Um, in fact, he he actually helps us kind of make that into a lesson for all of us by saying, here's a quote from the book. Perhaps a sense of possessing needs to come before a sense of genuine sharing. Many people who give mechanically or refuse to give and share in their marriages and families may never have experienced what it means to possess themselves, their own sense of identity and self-worth. Isn't that great? I mean, I I feel like I'm always such an overgiver, and so that message of needing to possess oneself before giving to others is just seems really important to me. So anyway, that's kind of what I've been focusing on lately. And for some reason, I'm feeling better as a result. So I I guess I've just been deciding that uh, I have a choice between living the day happy or cranky, so I might as well be happy. And in fact, normally happy is kind of my typical set point. My mom has always called me Pollyanna. Um, so now I'm just choosing to be happy in the holidays as well. So I hope you care to join me. Okay, it's time for the interview with Julie Morgenstern. I first learned about Julie because of a friend uh, recommended her book, Time Management from the Inside Out. I'm always on the lookout for good time management tips, and so I checked out her book. I liked it so much that I decided to ask Julie to be a guest on the show. 
Julie and I talk a lot about uh, things like how to be uh, organized, um, how, in fact, organization can free the artists inside to be even more creative. Uh, we talk about how Julie got her start in theater and the definition of what uh, being truly organized is. Hint, you can't always judge a book by its cover. So if you're considering making organization or time management a part of your New Year's goals, this podcast is for you. Let's dive right into the feature segment. This is episode 16 of the Namely Marley podcast. Bring it on. Julie Morgenstern, thank you so much for joining me on the Namely Marley podcast. Oh, it's great to be here, Marley. Thanks for having me. Great. I have, you are such an accomplished person. I mean, you have consulted with Federal Express and Microsoft and um, lots of, you know, big names, but I'm, I'm really excited to talk with you about all that. But I want to start with a little bit about uh, how you got your start. Well, I started my business, unbelievably, even to me, uh, over 20 years ago. I think it's almost 22 years. And uh, I know you have a lot of entrepreneurs on the line, and I still vividly remember my first year, hoping I'd make it a year, <laughs> hoping I'd make it two years, and then five years. And um, so, I, but I started, uh, yeah, 22 years ago, and I, my, my, my previous career had been theater. I was a director, uh, primarily a director, mostly stage, a little bit of television. And I had had a baby, and, I, and then I got divorced, mm -hmm. and I could no longer afford theater hours, which was nights and weekends, or theater money, which was so nominal that anything I would have made, you know, I would have needed to supplement to pay the babysitter. It just wasn't enough money to support myself and a child. So I started the business. And um, I, I'd always, um, this idea for this business had been in the back of my mind from years before when I was a grad student and I wished the service existed. And because uh, I was so disorganized when I was younger and I always wished somebody would come and organize me. <laughs> and so many years later, I was in this situation and, and kind of through almost happenstance in a conversation with a friend, the idea came back into my head. And I, after having cast about probably for about six months trying to figure out what to do after I got divorced, like, how am I going to support myself and my child? The idea for this business came to me and I just plunged forward. What is your grad degree in? Theater, uh, directing. I can see where the, the parallels between, you know, theater and running a show and doing all that really parallels with staying organized and also time management. Yeah, it's amazing that you see that. I didn't when I started. <laughs> I was like, it, you know, when you're in the theater, anybody who's in the arts, you're, it's drilled into your head uh, throughout your studies. Very few people make it. And you, it's like, you know, 1% makes it. And you're like, well, I'm going to be that 1%. I'm going to do it. I'm going to succeed. And when I was at that crossroads and I just couldn't afford it to, to pursue that, it was, I just really thought, oh, my God, I am, like, abandoning my dream. I'm joining the 99% and of, of non-theater successors. And um, it was really a hard decision. It was a big I crossroads. But you are right. I did not realize how much it pulled on so many of the same skills and talents 
and it, and is actually I think a better vehicle for them because I have more control. I don't have to deal with you know actors or producers. <laughs> egos. <I can> drive <laughs> ship exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Of course, so, there can be some egos in businesses as well. Yeah, but, you know, I don't find that to be so. It's oh, so funny. Good. Yeah, I think when you're a director, you have to really, I don't know, there's like all these other artists in the space. I'm the artist in my business. And I do run it like an artist, too. That's actually. great. That's great. And so I'm, I'm aware of you mostly from the, fa- the fact that you've written books, but you do consulting work as well? Yeah, I started and uh, I started in consulting and then books have always come from the con- field work I've done in consulting and, you know, recognizing the patterns between people and between clients and seeing the trends and then sharing, sharing that in books. I think that's great that you've, you know, you took what, what was a passion from the arts and turned that into something that's now your business. That's, I think that's a dream of a lot of people. Yeah, and you know, the other thing I would say for everybody who's listening, which it turned out to be true for me, and I've seen this with clients over the years as well, whatever you do, you're going to bring your whole self with you. So when you hop and you switch careers and you pursue a new path, you are going to bring that unique set of skills and experiences and sensibilities that you would apply elsewhere to whatever your new venture is. So business, I mean, I was a very creative right brain person and I was afraid of business because I thought, oh, it's this left brain kind of structured, boring, you know, money oriented thing. But I'm a creative person, and so when I started my business, I, you know, I'm bringing my creativity to the business every single day, and I run it, as I said, more from a creative standpoint. Every client, I treat every client as a unique person or a unique company. Nothing is cookie cutter. I mean, we have processes that we use, but there's no cookie cutter solutions, and it's it's a very customized kind of artisanal organizing shop everybody who comes gets a very unique treatment and that's really comes from who i am i see that in your books too because i i'm i don't it doesn't seem to me like you have this cookie cutter approach to me you know even as me a reader of your book i'm i in fact i was reading your book time management from the inside out and you actually say good time management isn't about learning this or that trick it's about creating days that are meaningful and rewarding for you and feeling a sense of satisfaction in each and every one of your tasks. And I just fell in love with that quote, first of all. <laughs> but second, it just makes me feel like you're you're telling me that there's no wrong way. I don't have to memorize, oh, so-and-so said I have to start out my day by doing these five things and I don't have to follow some script. No, no. Time is a resource, right? It's- yeah available to everybody, but you need to learn how to move through it and how to use it for your goals and, you know, appealing to your style. There are some people who can't, they get nothing done unless they have 22 things on their to-do list for the day. If they have two things on the to-do list for the day, they get nothing done. If they have 22 things, they get everything done. And then there are other people that if they have 22 things on their to-do list for the day, they would go crawl back under the cover. <laughs> So you need to know what your own style is. And yeah, every single system should be custom designed for your unique 
skills, passion, style, and goals. Every one of them. And yeah, and that's what all the books, that's what I mean by like all the books really come out of the field work. So I work this way with clients and I happen to be able to be blessed with the ability to recognize those patterns and then translate it for somebody to do that for themselves. And that's why they're all from the inside out, organizing from the inside out for space, time management from the inside out for time. It's interesting to think that there are that many um, trends that um, you, you see probably in large organizations, down to small businesses, down to people who are entrepreneurs working from home. There's a lot of similar issues. Yeah, absolutely. There really are. I mean, you know, we all just as human beings, we have, you're, you're always dealing with kind of big goals and dreams, right? You like have ambition and vision for what you want to do. Lots of times there's self-doubt, like, can I do it? You know, and that self-doubt sometimes leads to things like procrastination mm. or, you know, not approaching things in the most direct way or proactive way. So there's always a little psychology for all of us, right? Right. That can inspire us or limit us, but, it, but, it, it, but it's, everything is conquerable. There's nothing that's like a game changer. They influence you. And then when you just, so there's the, the psychology and then there's really the practical stuff and you know, we're also living in a world filled with distractions. And that's that's a trend. Like, it's gotten worse, right? There are more distractions today than ever before in history. And human beings have always been, you know, tempted by distraction, right? A hundred years ago, you had to write a, a manuscript, you know, you'd go rearrange your, you know, pencil drawer, your inkwells. <laughs> <laughs> but now you have to do some writing and there's, you know, email, Instagram, Facebook, cat videos, cat videos, <laughs> yeah. God's sake, they're just great. Yes. And they just might inspire you. Yes. You know, so yeah, bring them on. And you're so, saying that that might be a little bit of fear? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think all forms of procrastination come from basically you're overwhelmed in some way. Mm. We don't procrastinate when we're not overwhelmed. When we have a really clear vision, we're ready to do something. You know what you want to do and you feel confident doing it and it's tied to your goals, you do it. You don't procrastinate on that. We procrastinate when we're overwhelmed. So that and leads me to a good question. At least in my mind, this is a good question. <laughs> and that is, I, I'm thinking about the desk environment itself. So I think yeah. there's kind of two schools of thoughts, at least that I've heard. You can have this kind of unstructured environment, especially if you're an artist, you can see where, you know, having a little bit of less structure can help you uh, to get in touch with that right brain side. But then you could also see where a really structured, you know, having your desk really neat and organized could be beneficial too. I'm always like in the middle of that, which one is the right one? Well, I think you have to, when it comes to your space, you want to basically go by this philosophy, which is you've got to remember that organizing is, what I think of organizing as the process by which we design environments or schedules, right? Mm -hmm. Spaces or schedules that allow us to live or work or relax as we want to, mm. right? It's an environment that allows you to do what you need to do and what you want to do. If a really clear environment that you walk into your office every day and it's not yesterday's 
mess and not yesterday's piles and not yesterday's unfinished stuff, but everything has sort of been put away and you've got like a clean slate. If that gets your mind clear and gives you energy and allows you to imagine and work, then that's an environment that allows you to do the work you want to do. Um, if you walk into an environment like that and it feels sterile um, and uninspiring or constricted in some way, then you need the stuff. I do believe it is always better, even if you work in a messy way, to work with today's mess, not yesterday's, mm -hmm. because yesterday's mess is unfinished and it leaves you not from present moving forward, but like you're starting in reverse. Mm -hmm. You're starting back and then you have to come forward. And I, I feel like that, that initial energy when you start your day um, is so, it's like the cream on the top of the milk, yeah. that first energy of the day. And if you use it to clean up yesterday's mess before you get started, now you've used the cream on just clean up. Right. And now you don't have that fresh richness to start today's project. So I think finishing every day by closing it up, by wrapping it up, by putting things away and setting yourself up for tomorrow is right. the best way. Even if tomorrow is tomorrow's piles, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. If walking into to, to tomorrow's piles, which is like what you're supposed to do today and it's all set and ready for you, your environment is like, your assistant says, here's your file, here's your papers, here's your folders, here's your printouts, here's today's work, and you walk into that. That's great. So no matter how your desk looks, it's really more about are you prepared for today's work? Correct. So That's taking a few minutes at the end of the day to get ready for tomorrow is probably, you know, gold. It's, it is gold. And I would say that, you know, of all the different, you know, time management, physical organizing techniques – Prep ending every day by prepping for tomorrow. Materials you need, look at your schedule, know what's on your plate, know what you, your tasks are, what you have decided to do. If you do that at the end of the day instead of the beginning of every day, you do it at the end of the day for the next day, the amount of uh, efficiency, effectiveness, clarity, and preparedness that you feel is so profoundly improved that, and you tend to stay on track. You know, you, you show up in the morning and you already know what you're there to do. You're not coming in and trying to get oriented because if you're not ready, you're going to get pulled downstream by all those things we were talking about, cat videos, etc. <laughs> that's right. I, that's what I, I really... Cat videos is what's going to happen. You're going to go out, find a kitten, you're going to like... Hey, get a new iPhone so you have a better video camera, you know, three right. days. Yeah. <laughs> it can turn into a whole day loss right there. Hey, easy. Yeah. So I'm just curious, were you born this way, this organized, or is this something that you've developed over time? No, I developed it over time. I really, I grew up, I was kind of notoriously disorganized growing up. Um, I had, my bedroom was on the top floor of this townhouse in Center City, Philadelphia, and it was what used to be the maid's quarters. So maid's quarters had, like, in these townhouses, the whole top floor. So imagine, like, the top floor, all mine, not a single surface was clear. And 
you know, they were just, I was this theater person and every like menu from a restaurant, every piece of cloth, everything I ever owned or saw or touched could be a costume. It could be like oh, you know, right. something. It could be a prop. It could, I don't know. And so I just lived out of piles and, you know, my parents would every eight months or so kind of lock me in my room for the weekend, not let me do anything, but until there was a clear path from the door to my bed. <laughs> <laughs> and I would spend the weekend like really trying to get organized. And I would, and I, it would always be that there was stuff all over the floor, all over the desk, all over the bed, all over, you know, every surface was covered with stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I would be like, well, I have to put it away. Right. Right. Okay. So then I would look inside my closets and drawers, and they were filled to the gills. So I would always start with those, those like the, in, the, 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 the closets and the drawers, clean those out to make room for all the stuff that was out on the surfaces. And then I would be finding things that were like, oh, I haven't seen this in eight months or a year, and it become a kind of archaeological dig through my life. And I was putting piles on top of piles, right? I'm taking things out of the closets and piling on top of more piles. So I would get so just lost in it. And then like two days would pass. <laughs> and I'd, I'd have a worse mess and have made no progress and just gotten lost in all the coolness of the stuff and couldn't make any decisions. So, um, and then I would get like the, we're coming up, you've got an hour left. And I would just shove everything back in the drawers and closets <laughs> That was the way I organized. It was a disaster. So when I finally figured out how to do this to get organized, I taught myself um, when my daughter was born because I realized very early on, like by her third week, that if I didn't get my act together, this poor child was never going to see the light of day. She was, you know, getting her packed and ready for a walk took me like two hours like everything was so complicated and time consuming so I kind of thought I've got to get this together for her even if it makes me a boring person even if it makes you know squelches my creativity I've got to be a good mom and um and that's when I got organized and I just taught myself and you know I read books and and articles and um and I, you know, organized the diaper bag first, you know, start with something small, really worked. And I just started to radiate out from there and, and taught myself and, and realized, oh, it's not constricting. It's liberating to be organized. It doesn't squelch your creativity. It frees it. It really does. Really? Because that's what I was going to ask you. It, it, it helped you be more creative? Oh, my God. Well, here's the deal. A creative person is a creative person no matter what. They are creative. Creative, period. If you are creative, that's in you. It has nothing to do with your environment. Hmm. You're creative. If your environment is working against you and you get amazing things done, you're not getting them done because of the chaos. You're getting them done in spite of the chaos. Hmm. It's a big difference. It's a really big difference. And I know I used to think, oh, it's coming from all this chaos, all this creativity. No way. It was my creativity was so strong that it transcended the chaos. And then once I had my environment organized, the creativity continued to flow. But now I could find everything I needed to implement any idea. 
oh, I want to do this. Oh, I know where to find that and the scotch tape or the scissors or the fabric or the or the article that's going to inspire the piece of writing. Like I could get my hands on my materials instantly in order to implement ideas. And so I spent far less mm. time searching for things and just, you know, clear runway to create. Oh, I could see where, now that you mentioned that, your creativity could be lost in that searching for that thing that you, you know you need and you know you've got. That you know you need, and then you're beating yourself up. You're like, oh my God, I'm so ridiculous. Yes. Why do I do this to myself? And then you just like, ah, forget it. You just wander off and, you know, call a friend or go get a cup of coffee and never come back. And so there's a lot of energy, time wasted. And I think emotional energy spent kind of, berating yourself which really is depleting it steals energy that you could use productively mm, that's that's great I, I it makes me think that there's some kind of psychological shift that needs to happen too so I may be attached to the fact that I've got these things and I think that, that helps create this creativity for me there's a psychological you know, like, you know, if I have a fear of flying and I think I've got to tap the plane three times before I get on, you know, like you, you start to think, oh, I've, this fear is keeping me safe. <laughs> exactly. No, there is. It's, it's you know, it, I 100% agree there's a psychological component. There's a mindset shift that needs to take place. And in my case, I didn't really make the mindset shift I discussed, before I made the change. I made the change. I was like, I'm going to become boring but I'm going to be a good mom and serve this little child who deserves to like get to kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really like yes. this poor kid had to get to kindergarten. So if I'm not going to be able to be creative anymore, so be it. Right. I'm just got to put that on hold. So, and I share that because I, I really, I like you, I think I had white knuckle held on to that mm -hmm. as much mm -hmm. as I craved order. I was terrified of it. And then I discovered, whoa, this is like amazing. But you know, you have to just really ask yourself honestly, is it working for you or against you? Are you spending too much time searching for things? Do you get discouraged before you complete an idea because you couldn't find the stuff or you spent all this time looking for things and now you've exhausted yourself and two hours have passed by and you're out of time and now you gotta move on to the next thing. Like, are you losing time? Are you losing money? Are you losing that sort of joie de vivre, that energy, excitement? If you're losing those things, then yes, change your environment and you'll regain them. If you're not losing those things and you sit down to your like messy piles and gorgeous stuff comes out and you're really comfortable with it, then let it be. It's like you have to answer that question for yourself because nobody can. I have walked into environments I mean I swear I cannot tell cannot tell to this day by looking at a space whether it is organized or not cannot tell really absolutely not there are people who live and work out of piles incredibly effectively you ask them to find anything they can reach and put their hands on anything in all those stacks in an instant it's like, where's that? Oh, third stack over, quarter down, bam, they can find stuff. They're sort of, it's, they're, they're sort of visually organized and they know where things are. And 
if they can find if you can find what you need when you need it and you're comfortable in your space you're organized you are and there are people too Marley I'm telling you and I've seen them and I've worked with them I've walked into clients like I do an initial consultation um, I've walked in to offices and homes and businesses that look pristine on the surface. No clutter, no piles, everything looks great. When you look inside those drawers and you look inside those storage rooms and you look inside those closets and it's utter chaos and they can't find anything. But the surface is neat and below is chaos. So you can't tell, it's how do you function in your space? Can you find what you need when you need it? Are you comfortable in your space? And are you energized and able to achieve your goals? And if you are, you're organized no matter what it looks like. Oh, that's good to know. So it's, you can't always judge a book by a cover is what I think I'm hearing you say. <laughs> definitely, definitely not. Yeah. So you work with a variety of clients. Are all of them, I mean, most of them are corporations or it sounds like you work with individuals too? Oh, yeah. It's full mixture of clients from individuals to individuals within corporations to small businesses to, you know, philanthropists running small organizations to working moms and working dads at their homes to get their households in order so that when they come home and leave in the morning and come home at night, their space is working for them and it's not you know, they're able to relax and connect with their families and not come home to a second job. Right. Yeah. So I'm just curious. I mean, it's kind of a general question, but do you see a trend of, you know, what's the thing that holds people back for the most part? For physical organizing? Yeah. Or, I think on physical organizing, particularly in offices, because I think with your audience, it's kind of we're trying to help people with their business lives, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, I think that when it comes to physical space, you know, well, information, people don't have systems that are designed for retrieval. They have systems that are designed for storage. Mm -hmm. So when they're, you know, printing things out or they have papers or documents, they're, they're, they're always asking the question, where should I put this? And that's not the question. The question, when you're setting up any kind of system, filing system, information system, paper or on your computer, the question is, under what circumstances would I look for this information? Yes. Right? And you use that as the trigger for the name of the file or the folder or the section. So it's always design your systems based on retrieval. And, I, and I, um, I, I teach people to use a kindergarten classroom as a model for organizing any space. Oh, I like that. And so think about, right, what's in a kindergarten classroom? How's it organized? Pictures. Pictures, lots of labels, yes. right? Uh -huh. And the space is organized into activity zones. There's a reading area, an arts and crafts zone, a music corner, a snack area, building block section, a dress-up zone. Yeah. So it's all these zones. And everything that you need for each activity is stored in the zone at its point of use. So if you, so, there's all, always only one place to find or put anything away. 
Like if you, if a five-year-old finds a tambourine in the middle of the floor, there is only one place that it belongs in the music zone. There's right. no way that five-year-old would go put it in the reading area. Right. No, it's in the music zone, right? So, and everything has a really clear home, and it's you know perfect size for what you're going to put in. So it's kind of fun to put things away. And containers matter; they do. You know, you want them to look good and inspire you to use them. And so broken cardboard boxes not going to inspire you to put things away. Uh, yes. You don't have to spend a fortune on containers, but they should look good, right? right. So that. Your space supports you. I'll say one more question along that line. Um, there seems like there's a growing trend of people who work from home now. Even if you work for a company, you, there's a lot of telecommuters. Do yes. you have recommendations for people? Because I've seen both ends of the spectrum. Again, maybe a little bit like, is your desk messy or, or are you uh, in a uh, stru more structured environment? On the flip side is, uh, is it worth, you know, do you work from home in your flannel PJs? Or is it better for you to go ahead and take that effort to get dressed up for the day? Yeah, I have really strong opinions about this. Oh, great. From experience. I worked from home for the first uh, maybe seven or eight years of my business. So I both experienced this and also working with clients over the years and seeing human sort of tendencies. 100% believe if you work from home, you should create boundaries between your work life and your personal life. It's especially important, right, because you don't, it, everything's happening in, under one roof. So number one, get dressed for work. It, right. When you put clothes on, you get dressed, it changes your energy. It's like, okay, I'm getting dressed, and now my energy is focused on work. Not the laundry, not cooking, not cleaning up my closet. Just because I'm home doesn't mean I should do any of that. The big benefit of working from home is you have the world's shortest commute. Right. <laughs> Which means you can use that commute time and either pour it into work to be more productive or your personal life to be able to go to the gym or relax or do something. So you can use the commute time. That's what you're saving. Right. Working from home is not the benefit of working from home is not so you can do dishes and cook gourmet meals all day. That's not what you're working from home to do. Just save money on the commute. That's how I feel. And, and, that, and that way, when you're working, you're purely working. And, you know, when you work from home also, especially if you're a telecommuter, you have to show results. Because right. when people can't see you, all you have is the results you can produce every day. End of day, here I got this done. Here's this report. Here's this memo. Here, you've got to really produce deliverables. And if you're in business for yourself, you're getting paid for deliverables. So you got to produce. So get dressed for work. I also believe you should work in one location. I Just because you can work anywhere in your house does not mean you should. Mm. Uh, because if you're working kitchen table and also in the living room, on the sofa, and also sitting in your bed in the morning, and you've poisoned all of those places for relaxation. Oh, right. And then when you, like, go to bed at night, you're trying to watch TV. Now this is a space that sometimes you work and sometimes you relax. How do you actually really relax in a space that you also could be working? So you just really want those boundaries, and then you move between that structure. When you're in your work zone, you're dressed and you're focused. And when you're 
at your kitchen table or on your sofa, you get to really relax and not feel like, well, just because I'm home, I could go do work now. No. You need boundaries, right? To achieve, to complete, to give things your full presence. You know, Julia, it kind of makes me think your theater background really comes into play here. Because if you think about it, it's almost like you're, you're suggesting people put on a costume. And I bet the actors are better when they have their costumes on. A hundred percent. And you know, what else is very similar is that when you when you direct a show, they talk about islands of activity on stage. Interesting. Yeah. So what you know, in this bottom right corner is where they sit and eat and over here is, you know, this island of activities, people coming in and out, and so, and you move the actors between these islands of activity. So, yeah, I think it does come into play. I love how this all comes full circle. It's great. And I think this is one reason why, um, I mean, I, I really respect what you're saying here because it's, you haven't always lived this pristine, organized life. You had to learn this and, and figure this out on your own. Yeah, I did. And, you know, I'm not perfect, right? Like, the other thing for everybody to keep in mind is that no organizing system kind of lasts forever, especially if it's there to support who you are and what you want and where you're going right now. So, you know, your system will work as long as you're sort of in the same place, but then you start developing new interests or you have a new aspect of your business or you go through some other transition you're going to have new stuff, new information, new things on your schedule. And it gets a little chaotic when you're in transition until you can like figure out, oh, this is what I need and here's where I can put it and here's what my schedule should look like now. So it's dynamic, right? Yeah. Organizing is as dynamic as a human life. But uh, it will support you at each stage and each change of your life and, and, and free you to focus on what really matters to you. Oh, that's beautiful. I, and, and in fact, that that will lead me to, I just got a few uh, closing questions I'd like to run by you just for a little bit of fun. So tell me, what's your, what's your favorite app on your phone? Well, you know, my favorite device on the phone is the timer. Ah, I, that makes sense. Awesome, right? That yeah. clock and, you know, the timer, like how long are you going to spend on something? Or if you run the risk of, over focusing on something and, and, and not shifting gears and to, to do the next thing. I've used my timer on my phone or my alarm on my phone, not just to wake up in the morning. I sometimes will put an alarm of what my cutoff time is at night from being on a computer. Mm. Like I will not be on the computer 90 minutes before I go to bed or it'll make it harder to sleep. And I, so sometimes if I have slipped and I start doing that, it's like easy to start Facebooking. I'll just set an alarm and it's like up 1030. And you'd be surprised knowing that alarm's going to go up at 1030. You get on Facebook. I know I'm dating, I'm aging myself when I say Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, it's very popular. (laughs) Okay. So, or, you know, whatever. It's like, I know 1030 is my cutoff, so I will finish dinner, I will have focus time on the computer, and then I'm out. And it, so I use the timer and the alarm on the phone when I cook. That's great. And, and you're not using an app that has a timer. You're actually just using the timer. It's timer, yeah. It's the best device for, for a time management organization, bar none. So t- tell me, um, what's your favorite source of inspiration? Oh, wow. Inspiration? 
That's a great question. I think nature. I live in the city and I love it and it's very invigorating. But when I step out into nature, it just gives me a broader perspective. So if I'm by the water or mountains or even in Central Park and, you know, with trees and grass and uh, by the river, I just, it, it, it just gives me perspective and allows a different part of me to like think and imagine and get perspective on things and get all charged up. That's beautiful. So um, how can, how can people find you online, Julie? So they can come to juliemorgenstern.com and um, visit us and, you know, poke around. We're actually, our website is under construction, but, but I'm sure by the time people hear this, we'll have the new one up. Excellent. Up in the next week or so. And I'll leave uh, links in the show notes page too for your books. And uh, I found them to be so helpful. And this conversation today has been very helpful too. I'm, I'm so pleased that you took the time to talk with me today. Well, thanks so much. It was fun to talk to you. Thanks to Julie Morgenstern for talking with me today. If you'd like to learn more about Julie, you can find her on Twitter at Julie Morgenstern or head to namelymarley.com forward slash podcast and look for the show notes page on Julie. Well, that's it for today's podcast. If you like today's show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and give it a review on iTunes. This helps the show get discovered by more people. I hope this episode was helpful and inspirational. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week.